Hi everyone, welcome to the Cult I Left Behind podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Briggs, and I'm here to tell you my stories of growing up in the IBLP cult, which you might know from the Duggar family. And I'm your other host, Kyle Briggs. I am Amanda's husband, and I have not heard most of these stories before, so stay tuned and we'll all get traumatized together. Welcome to the first episode of the Cult I Left Behind podcast. My name is Kyle Briggs, and this is my wife, Amanda. Hi, everyone. I'm Amanda. I'm the person who left a cult behind, and um, ironically, it was the same cult that we all know about from the Duggar family. So I was part of the same organization called IBLP, or Institute in Basic Life Principles, Oh gosh, probably from my first memories of childhood on, yeah, I think I think my bio parents had already joined the cult by the time I was born, or shortly thereafter. It was, yeah, but it, my whole childhood is wrapped up in that cult. So, Kyle and I sit here and drink and talk about my experiences growing up in that cult. What are you drinking today, Kyle? I went with the old faithful jack and coat today okay i am on call i volunteer for a domestic violence and sexual assault crisis hotline so i'm actually on call today and therefore not drinking so i'm being boring and just having a diet dr pepper today (laughs) i'm sure anybody who unfortunately has to call you will be appreciative that uh you have not thrown anything back today so that's true but if we're going to talk about bill gothard I'm just glad I get to drink in the future episodes. We'll time recording them so that I'm not on call. <laughs> it might be good going forward. That would be great. So. So, I guess the other thing that's relevant for folks to know is that you don't know what I'm going to tell you. I don't. I, yeah, I think some of these episodes I'll have heard the stories before. Some of them I won't have heard. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know... We'll just see what happens. So I get to do all the prep work and research by myself. That's what I'm hearing. It's a little unfair. (laughs) Uh, We'll see if there's a way to balance that out. And uh, I guess a couple other disclaimers for this podcast. Um, If we're going to talk about the cult, it's inevitable that I'm going to cuss at some point. So if, if that offends you, I guess we could put a disclaimer. We could put a disclaimer in the description so you know which ones have expletives in them i don't know if or not. i don't know if swearing is going to be more offensive than some of the oh, stories you're going to tell that's so true. okay so also at at different points throughout this podcast we are going to talk about domestic violence sexual assault mental illness some really heavy stuff but a lot of a lot of the cult ideology is laughable so mm-hmm. I think we are going to laugh a lot in this podcast. <laughs> I know I will be. I think it'll go back and forth from heartbreaking to humorous, and mm-hmm. we'll just live somewhere in that tension. Maybe we should tell folks a little bit about us and how long we've been together and why we're doing this. Sure. We've we've been together for... Almost three almost years? Almost three years. Coming up on three years. Um when did you find out I grew up in a cult? Maybe we should tell oh, the geez. people that too. Okay, wait. It I was you pretty you early you on. It was pretty early on. It was I way think, sooner than I wanted it well, to be. I remember were, that. It 
I think it was, but you were writing a book when yes. we got together. And I think it, it was, was our only... second date that okay. I told you because I showed up to it and I was bouncing around happy because I'd just been invited on a podcast to talk about That's my right. book. Mm-hmm. And so you saw me radiating joy and excitement. You were like, what's going on? And I remember having this oh shit moment of this is the second time I've ever seen this guy. We were out for a hike Mm -hmm. because it was COVID. Mm -hmm. So all of our dates were freezing Mm -hmm. and primarily in the snow because it was January. And we lived in Colorado. And I remember thinking I was not ready to go there. But I did tell you, I, I gave you like a very high level overview. Yeah. Is that correct? It is. But you were also like, the way, I remember the way you were telling me about these, the, I mean, the cult um, and some of your childhood experiences, like that was, you had moved past that. Mm-hmm. And so I did a I remember, lot of healing work. Yeah. And like, you know, through therapy and just introspection and, and all of that, I just remember. Like, okay, well, this is crazy, but <laughs> she, her demeanor and the way she talks about it, you like very clearly have left that behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't, I wasn't worried, but it was definitely like, well, that's interesting. I did not see that coming. <laughs> not a typical second no, date for no. you, Kyle? No, it was not. Um <laughs> Well, you asked me out again, and we're married now, so I guess mm-hmm. it all worked out. Yep. Yeah. So, how did we get the idea to do this? I think it was over pizza, like most brilliant things well, are. We had we had talked about, we've talked about for a while now, like doing a podcast together mm-hmm. of sorts. And then I think recently, we had been talking about that for over a year now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and then I wasn't I just telling you random stories about life, my life. I think so. I, I feel like relatively recently you were just throwing. We were talking. We were trying to figure out a topic, and you just started throwing stuff out there. And I was like, "Well, that could be very interesting." Like, who does? <laughs> there's a lot you don't know. There's a lot I don't know, but just who doesn't love up. a story about a cult? Oh it's, gosh, it's crazy. Every time we've talked about it, I'm just like your jaws on the mind floor, blown, usually. and just some of it's hilarious, and some of them just like really. This, it's pretty horrible. Yeah, I mean, there some of it's just remarkable. Like you're just like I don't know who would even believe this. Yeah, and there's a whole. You know, there's a whole group of people that all believe this thing yeah. that is otherwise unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then you have just the crazy... Criminal. Criminal, you know, <laughs> immoral things that are happening that are very socially acceptable within that circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a very wide range of emotions talking about cults. Oh, that's true. So Kyle recently introduced me to the movie Fight Club. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that came to mind for me was the first rule of cults is we're not a cult. So I thought we should start talking about the cult by defining what cults are. And I didn't know I was in one till I was out of it because we weren't a cult. And in fact, Bill Gothard, who is the leader of the cult that I grew up in, he has whole trainings on other cults 
which is so hysterically funny to me, that he'll, he'll say, like, teenagers today are joining cults left and right. Come do what I do. And doesn't even realize that he's telling people to come to his cult instead of the other cults out there. So I personally find that funny. So according to like a dictionary definition of a cult is it's a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. Do we meet that criteria? I would say yes. Bill Gothard was definitely venerated and everyone was required to be completely devoted to him and his ideology. But then the Tennessean had a really great article on cults that I enjoyed reading, and they offered this definition. A cult is a group or movement held together by a shared commitment to a charismatic leader or ideology. Check, 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 check. It has a belief system that has the answers to all of life's questions and offers a special solution to be gained only by following the leader's rules. IBLP checks every single one of those boxes. So we definitely were a group of people held together by shared commitment to a charismatic leader named Bill Gothard. He had a robust belief system that he claimed had answers to all of life's questions. And indeed offered special solutions and he he called them hidden truths he used quotation marks constantly he still uses them he's still alive he's still running his own weird little website and yes he thinks you can earn a phd while sleeping he talks all about oh yeah (laughs) he has a phd program right now i don't even i need to go look this up i wouldn't mind a phd in my sleep we'll talk about it someday but yes he has all of the answers to everything including like just ridiculously detailed stuff like how married couples should have sex around the wife's menstrual cycle like, that is how detailed his rules for life are. Oh, I would definitely take that advice from some other man when I was going to do that. It's uh, a little creepy. It, and he's never married. Oh. So, well, but more he knows everything about everything, mm-hmm. including women's menstrual cycles. It sounds like it. So, I think we absolutely meet all of the criteria for being a cult. So... How did this cult start? So I think what we should do, what occurs to me is that it would be helpful for you, Kyle, slash our listeners, to learn how this cult came to be. Mm -hmm. And then I think we should do an episode on how my family got involved in it. Yeah. Okay. And then I think we should do an episode on all of the scandals. Mm -hmm. That might be a couple episodes. Sounds like it's probably going to be a couple. A couple episodes. And then I think we start breaking down all of the weird teachings. Well, there's no shortage of those. There is no shortage. Y'all will have, if you enjoy this podcast, you'll have something new to listen to for years. (laughs) Uh, So, all right. So the cult actually started in 1961 under the name Campus Teams. It was started by Bill Gothard and his goal was to help teens and parents make wise choices. That sounds so great and innocent, right? Yeah, that sounds... Lovely beginnings. Mm -hmm. Not scary. No, it sounds like a pretty innocent uh, goal. Who doesn't want parents and teens to make wise choices? 
exactly. Then in 1964, Wheaton College, which is a really conservative Christian private college in Illinois, kind of in the Chicago area, um, invites Bill to teach a two-week class based on his work with teens. Now, keep in mind that Bill is a graduate of Wheaton College for his bachelor's degree and his master's degree, which is all in like Christian ministry related stuff. So they invite him to teach this two-week class based on his work over the past few years with these teens and their parents, helping them make wise choices. And he calls the class Basic Youth Conflicts. Okay. Now pay attention. The dude really likes the word basic. Okay. (laughs) And so then a year later in 1965, he holds his first seminar. And the seminar is also called Basic Youth Conflicts. It's, again, in the Chicago area. It started with 120 students and eventually grew to 20,000. That's a pretty sizable group. Just a little leap there. Mm -hmm. Not much. All right. So then in 1974, so a decade after his Wheaton College presentation and... Um, 13 years after he starts Campus Teams, he replaces Campus Teams with Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts, IBYC. And according to the the website, they now have 2.5 million people who have attended this basic seminar. And it is the entry-level training conference necessary to participate in the cult. So the basic seminar is like the bread and butter of Bill Gothard's teachings and how he gets people into his web. So you attend the basic seminar, you talk to Bill, maybe you have a teenage daughter, Bill really likes her, he invites her to come work at the compound, her life is over. Um, So does he have a compound (laughs) at this point already? The compound, I am not sure when the compound was acquired. I was trying to find that, and Mm -hmm. I I didn't see it. But I know that they had it by the early 90s because I was there all the time. And I think they'd had it for a while. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so now we have this entry-level training conference, the basic seminar, and it's required training for being part of the cult. So then... Five years later, in 1979, and then into 1980, Steve Gothard, Bill Gothard's brother, who is also, Steve is also the Colts' administrative director, has his first public sex scandal. And we find out that this has been going on for years. We'll do a different episode on that. Moving right along, because of course nothing was done about that, nothing substantive, In 1984, IBYC, Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts, expands to include a homeschooling curriculum, if you can call pseudoscience, whitewashed history, faulty medical and legal information, and biblical memorization, actual educational curriculum Mm -hmm. but but this is what we have and and this program is called this homeschooling program is called the advanced training institute of america Mm -hmm. atia 
Sounds nothing religious. Yeah. So the entire foundation of the so-called curriculum and all of the wisdom booklets, my air quotations, that's what they were called. So the entire foundation of this so-called curriculum is the Sermon on the Mount, which for those of you who didn't have to memorize huge swaths of the Bible growing up, that's um, New Testament book of Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. There was a point in my life where I could quote like all of that. I see that. <laughs> see, that was some so, impressive recollection. So students, school-age students for school were to meditate on those chapters and read analogies from, quote, every area of life to that truth, which could be found in Bill's curriculum called Wisdom Booklets, which were pretty expensive. And you needed one for each kid. And everyone was supposed to have about three million kids each. (laughs) (laughs) Just storing them. We had this massive bookshelf Mm -hmm. with cubby holes, like Mm -hmm. a cubby hole style. And I think there were 50 some odd wisdom booklets times eight. Because we had eight kids in the family and we all had to go through this curriculum. So were these like booklets you like filled out? Is that why you had to have like one per kid? Well, there was some filling out. Mostly it was just a great way for the cult to make a lot of money. So you bought. So stepping back for a second. How many kids were in your family? Eight. So you guys had eight copies of these books. Yes. And how? Like 50 of them. (laughs) So 50 times eight. Okay. Uh, And just stepping back for a moment like how long were you in the cult before you even figured out that you were in a cult and had left oh gosh um i didn't know it was a cult until i was in my early 20s i knew it was bullshit before i was 10 years old (laughs) that did not go over well being a female in that environment yeah so what were in these in these wisdom booklets oh my gosh okay so the wisdom booklets um They had like science and history and language arts, but they were all Bible stories for the most part. And then like random stories from Bill. They had a medical and legal portion, which I just can't even think about. It was real. So do they like twist a lot of the... So it sounds like some of them are personal stories or personal opinions of his. Oh, everything is a personal opinion attached to a cherry-picked Bible verse. That okay. supposedly backs up his um, proclamation of God's hidden truth in that cherry-picked Bible verse. Mm-hmm. So it's just his interpretation of it. Oh, yeah. And then, so the, the stuff that should be more scientific or factual, like law, mm-hmm. he still managed to twist that with some sort of Bible verse. Mm-hmm. And then aggregate those into a book mm-hmm. and then make you guys pay for them. Mm-hmm. Multiple copies. Yes. That's a brilliant <laughs> move to make a lot of money based off a cult following. Yeah. I'm just kind of surprised cult. like you couldn't have just like, you know, one set of encyclopedias. You had to have one copy for each kid. Mm-hmm. So that we could booklets. sit there. And read them oh, so together. Like, oh, so okay. they weren't grade specific. Right. It was K through 12 in one book. 
with okay. a lot of stories of martyrs. Okay, so every kid had to have their own book because they'd be reading them at the same time. Yes. And they need to be on different chapters or something. Or, or, well, or we just needed to have our own copy oh, so that we could read along. Just, he just needed some more money, okay. Yes, yes. So this is ATIA, Advanced Training Institute of America, and that was the basis of my education. Okay. And we, were these like actual like formal published books or were no, they just like printed they were pages printed and a binder? Yeah. They weren't even they didn't even have covers. So they're just thick paper. Mm-hmm. Um like construction paper? No, like almost more like photo paper. Okay. Lots of pictures of people being martyred by the Roman Empire. <laughs> just like lions tearing bodies apart. And K, kindergarten mm-hmm. level. You know. There's some pretty graphic scenes for a yes. kindergartner. Well, we needed to... Have the fear of God put in you. Well, and also be prepared for the end of the world and the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. Because that was okay. all imminent. And we were all going to be tortured and martyred for Christ. Imminently. So we needed to know what it was like. Mm-hmm. I... Sorry, my brain is exploding right now. <laughs> I know I lived through it. And it was so normalized, even though I knew it was weird, it was still just so normal to be five, six, seven years old and thinking about lions tearing you apart for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we had to practice. Oh, standing alone for Christ. That's what it was called. Standing alone for Christ. So we'd get quizzed by our parents. We'd have to stand there in the living room in front of the sofa. And Rick or Chris, one of my bio parents, would be like, let's listen to this rock music. Like role playing that they were a friend outside the cult. Not like I had any, but in case I did. Mostly our relatives, because our relatives were evil because they weren't part of the cult. So they were, you know, satanic influence in our lives. So, so let's make it cousin because we were allowed to hang out with our cousins, even though they weren't in the cult. So let's say your cousin is tempting you to listen to rock music. How do you stand alone for Christ? And we would have to recite back something along the lines of, you know, that's morally incompatible with my beliefs. And here's the Bible verse. And here's how it's uh, dishonoring God listening to this music and we'd have to, you know, say it all really well and then practice leaving, you know, getting up and leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what you did in first grade, Kyle? No, I don't recall having to recite anything except maybe the school play. <laughs> maybe. That probably was third grade, not first grade. But So that was a normal day in ATIA. Pseudoscience. Practice standing alone. Learn Latin because... It's really important to know a dead language. And uh, and then maybe some, some Greek. We didn't care about Hebrew quite as much. But like Greek was kind of where it's at. Did you actually read anything that was Greek or? We just really had to know the alphabet. That was so important. <laughs> so you needed to know the alphabet for a language to read. No, I don't know. No books that were in Greek. Right. So eventually, I think the goal was that we could read the original New Testament. Did you? Well, 
A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Did everybody else just? I'm asking this question because Amanda was hardcore book nerd and probably read and reread everything. <laughs> so just for like standardization I, I of the cold, read, but I could translate. But did With everybody, was everybody, like, were No, okay. my siblings were not as hardcore on this. Some of them got pretty intense with the Latin alphabet, like, better at it than I ever was. Mm-hmm. But I learned real quick that if I could translate Hebrew and Greek, my arguments to male leadership were a lot more effective. Why? Well, first of all, I was female, and that was real bad. Don't ever want to be female in a cult. Any cult, don't be a female. If you're a female, don't get involved in a cult. You'll be treated like shit. So part of it was just the handicap in the in the cult of being female. And part of it was, like, if you could translate scripture in an ironclad proof mm-hmm. that the men were wrong, they would look really dumb if they didn't recognize that the original text actually said what you're saying it says. So were they more prone to agree, like to back off and agree with you? Or okay, were yeah. They just so here's an pissed example. Off you oh, always pissed wrong? off. Always pissed off. But I could win sometimes. So like a prime example of this. Okay, so as a female, I had to grow my hair out really long because mm-hmm. it's my crown of glory. Okay, <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. Oh, I think it's somewhere in the Bible. So and plus, Bill Gothard liked long curly hair. Blonde, long curly hair. Blonde, only blonde. Yes. So I had to have long hair. What color was your hair? It was dirty blonde. And curly? Oh, it did curl. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a, a you wondrous had, you had crown the ideal of glory. hair. Yes. The ideal so crown. it was so long I could sit on it, which is annoying as I'll get out when you are a child mm-hmm. who just wants to go play in the woods. Right. But your hair gets caught on everything. So I would braid it and put it in ponytails and twist it up and get it out of the way. So one day, the cult starts pushing that women can't have plated hair, which means braided. So Rick comes to me. And keep in mind, braids are the saving grace. Yeah, Rick, my biological dad, comes to me and he's like, you can't do braids anymore. Braids are my saving grace. Having extraordinarily long, thick massive quantities of hair so i'm like this doesn't work for me (laughs) and he's like too bad (laughs) the bible and bill most importantly bill gothard mr gothard as we called him uh had started pushing this you know women are not to have plated hair because i think paul says so somewhere in the new testament because bill likes or doesn't like braided hair i don't know (laughs) i don't even know but we can't do it anymore. And I'm like, this really doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. So I get into a knockdown, drag out argument. No, first I go be a nerd and I research. I translate all the sense. Greek. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I figure out that what I believe Paul in the New Testament was getting at was prostitutes in the Greco-Roman era signaled their profession by either having their hair shaved or braided. That's how you knew it was a prostitute. So if you wanted to partake of their services, you could identify them. Interesting. So I find out all of this and Mm -hmm. I translate to make sure that I'm not getting it wrong using all of the, I forget what they're called, but the books that we would use for translation. And so I take all of this Turek and I'm like, 
in our culture, it doesn't signal prostitution anymore, Dad, so I'm not going to braid my hair. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to keep braiding my hair. <laughs> so he and I get into a knockdown, drag out fight. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, that's what Mr. Gothard said. That's what the Bible said. That what you're gonna, that's what you're going to do. And I'm like, it's not what the Bible says in context. I'm not even 10 yet, okay? <laughs> Contextually, that's not the meaning of this scripture. And I won. Because I had done my research and... and translated the greek <laughs> i'm surprised they let that go it just accepted you know it's just a different time i can only imagine that as a father hearing your eight or nine year old daughter proclaim that it no longer signifies prostitution like that's gotta that's gotta stop you for a second that your kid is talking about prostitution <laughs> and she's not even 10 yet how does she know this a little concerning like, yes not that they cared because we had to talk about sex a lot well, you did or didn't? We, we never talked about sex, just how bad it was. Okay. And so, like, I never even had a sex talk. Mm-hmm. Just sex is evil. Sex is bad. Sex is just for marriage. Like, never, like, at no point? No, I never had a sex talk. Okay. Yeah. And I assume your siblings also did not get that talk. No clue. No clue. One time when I was probably 12 or 13, I asked my mother where babies came out of mm-hmm. and because i thought it was your belly button because i couldn't figure out why we had a belly button again Logical. pseudoscience no mm-hmm. anatomy <laughs> and she said between a woman's legs and i found that terrifying and we just never talked about it again but she also never brought it up well i think for kids outside the cult or at least you know 80s kids like myself uh the early story if you asked about those questions you know when you're five or six or something like you just get told storks deliver babies you just mm-hmm. get dropped out of the why sky did, why didn't they tell me that <laughs> i don't know that would have been I so remember, much better i remember seeing like books that like had the stork with it had the, yeah my cousins had some of those books mm-hmm. we couldn't have those books <laughs> but the evil storks the demonic storks so I figured out everything one is supposed to learn in K through 12, kind of on my own with Google in my late Eventually, teens, yeah. early 20s. That was their, Bill's homeschooling curriculum. It was terrible. And there was no like certification, like that wasn't like accepted by the state or anything. Oh gosh, right? no. Um, and we weren't, it was supposed to be fine because we weren't supposed to go to college because mm-hmm. college is evil. Even the boys? Even the boys. We okay. were supposed to have internships and go into ministry, preferably. So very linear, like, we're not going to teach you general school. You just need to know what you need to And, like, really know the ministry. Latin alphabet yeah. for whatever reason. I mean, just very, very linear path. Yeah, like, can you ministry. read? Can you write? Mm-hmm. Can you do very basic math? Mm-hmm. Maybe, if you're a boy. But, like, all the... So I'm going to say all the men that were in the cult, because I assume none of the women worked. Correct. All the men, like, but they weren't all working in ministry, were they? No, but their so greatest they're... ambition for their children was for them to go into ministry. <laughs> this is not hypocritical at all. Okay, continue. No, yeah, okay. So, in 1989, Institute and Basic Youth Conflicts, that is hard to say, Institute and Basic Youth Conflicts, gets yet another name 
Institute in Basic Life Principles, or IBLP, which is the cult we all know and greatly disapprove of today. So, so then, this is, this is the final or current yeah, name of it. It's still called Institute in Basic Life Principles, IBLP. You gotta have the basic. You gotta have the basic. So then in 1990, IVLP starts holding ATIA conferences annually at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Typical attendance was around 10,000 people, and I was one of those 10,000 for more years than I care to remember. For a long time, that conference in Knoxville was our family vacation. It was expensive. We had to travel out there. We had to stay in a hotel. Oh my gosh, I'm remembering all this stuff. So we had massive vans. We had Mm -hmm. eight to 15 passenger vans growing up because we had eight children plus two parents. We had 10 people to cart around. So those, those started in 1980, but you didn't go to one of those until... They started in 1990. Oh, 90. Okay. I've got pictures of little me at those conferences. I'd have Mm -hmm. to look at the dates, Mm -hmm. but I was there for sure in the nineties. And... Yeah, so we would drive out there in our massive vans and we'd put big posters in the windows like (laughs) ATIA, IBLP, Knoxville bound. And the closer we got to Knoxville, the more 8 to 15 passenger vans there would be because, you know, to be a good cult family, you needed to have at least like six to seven kids, preferably way more than that. We were moderately holy at eight children. (laughs) (laughs) Do they intentionally like stop at eight kids or like is... You know, I don't know. I know Chris almost died having my youngest sister. The last one, yeah. So I don't know if she had her tubes tied. She was in her 40s. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she had her tubes tied, if she just, like, because you couldn't use birth control. Yeah. So I don't know what they did. So that was part of the whole, you know, religious cult. It was like no birth control. Correct. Just pop kids out. As many as you could. As many as you could. As many as you could. Yeah. Yeah. You so, weren't even supposed to do, like, natural family planning like yeah timing with your cycle to prevent pregnancy you were just supposed to try to get pregnant every time you could get okay pregnant. Well, because kyle we must populate the world for christ <laughs> yeah, clearly we'll get so, to the implications of having such large families in a single income home in a little bit well i'm sure ford but, appreciated all the uh econoline sales right so yeah the closer we got to Knoxville, the more of these vans we'd see with their posters atia we love mr gothard IDLP, Knoxville bound, and we'd all honk and wave at each other, and we'd meet up with our cult friends there. It was like a week-long conference, usually. Sometimes we couldn't afford to stay for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So they would just, like, rent out the whole, like... Massive campus with, like, the huge auditorium that could seat 10,000 people. Was this, like, a civic center? It was a a college. University of Tennessee at Knoxville. So you guys probably... Rented out like whole hotels then too. Uh, or were you staying? Well, on everyone was responsible for getting their own. One time, a couple times, we stayed on campus because mm-hmm. my siblings worked on the compound at headquarters in the Chicago area. So a couple times, they were able to get us dorm rooms at the university, okay. and we stayed there. But mostly, we stayed in a hotel, and it was. Yeah, that was our our family vacation. I mean, it was a massive operation. They had buses because they had adults in one facility and and boys in another facility and girls in another facility. And then everyone had to come back together for evening seminar sessions, which were for the whole family. And 
It was a massive operation with a lot of moving parts and pieces. And anytime I smell exhaust from a bus, I am back in line waiting to get on a cold bus to go off to the girls area at the big conference. So did you say this already? How long was the conference? Like, like was a, week? a week long? I think it was about a week. So you guys would all, this sounds, so I, I grew up in just, you know, Baptist church, mm-hmm. but I've went to like a lot of church conferences Mm -hmm. this sounds very similar where it's like everybody would get together in the morning Mm -hmm. kind of thing then you'll break off in like age or gender appropriate Mm -hmm. groups and then you know do lunch or whatever Mm -hmm. and then do that again with break up into groups and then you come back together at the end of the night like everybody's together Mm -hmm. for like the big the the big big show yeah (laughs) the big show i mean it, it was their huge brainwashing opportunity and money grab opportunity so they would bring in all of the latest and greatest ideas bill gothard had had to control everyone's lives even more and then of course the book he had written about it that you could buy at the you know very expensive was he writing price. a lot of books or was this oh, like yeah. the same book every year no he's written a bunch of books and there were a lot of series mm-hmm. and they uh book sales was a massive part of the revenue the, well and and just that gathering you would go there and you could like buy all of your wisdom booklets or whatever oh, and, the pre-amazon mm-hmm, times mm-hmm. yeah so did you guys have to pay to go to the conference i like, think yes so yeah that was another piece of it. I think the only deal they ever cut was the basic seminar. If you attended it once, you could attend it anytime it was in your area without paying the registration fee again. Hmm. So How kind of them. I know, right? I think that was the only thing like that. So, so we would go, and it was always like this huge bummer if there was a year we couldn't afford to go. Was this like literally like your family's big vacation? Yeah. Like you're not going to go to... Niagara Falls or something. You guys no, are we go, go to, to Knoxville the... to the Colt <laughs> Conference so we could learn the latest. It was and always in Knoxville. Yeah. And they would also use this conference to really push their manipulation around having children. And they would guilt people into having reversal surgeries if they'd had a tubal ligation or a vasectomy. They would bring all of you know the parents who had repented... And had their reversal surgeries on stage with their reversal babies. And the music would oh, swell and the orchestra would play. Because, of course, there was an orchestra. And of cult kids. Well, they have, like, all of the reversal babies up there? Or just, oh, like, here's everyone, a couple? No, anyone who was at the conference who had had a reversal oh, so baby. like, a call for it. Yes. Okay. Was up there on stage. And the parents talked about just their process to repentance and... Um, healing their guilt and sin through having reversal surgeries and having more babies. Interesting. Yeah. That was the big conference. And then also in 1990, New Zealand became the first country outside of the U.S. to host basic seminars. So IDLP went international and New Zealand was the first casualty. And then in 1991, Russia started working with IBLP. So volunteers from the cult were sent to help, were sent to Russia to help with orphans and students. And the stories that came out of 
those cult facilities overseas in the years to come were absolutely horrific. An enormous amount of abuse, beating, starvation, isolation protocols. Like by the... Discrimination by, by the, the volunteer the staff. By the cult. And they would make these videos, like these productions. Mm-hmm. The cult would had a whole audiovisual team that would do these productions of look at our wonderful work with the poor little Russian orphans. Mm-hmm. And that you could buy those VHSs because mm-hmm. it was still in the time of VHSs and take them home and learn about our work with the orphans in Russia. So it looked beautiful and pristine and shiny and happy. But behind all of it, there was just tremendous abuse. Kind of recapping so far. So it seems like he started off with this this basic youth Conflicts. idea. Mm-hmm. And then kind of immediately had quite, you know, would you say 20,000? Within how many years? So he basically yeah. started there. And then once he had enough of people. a base yes. people did it kind it of converted it definitely so mm-hmm. he did he start shifting more towards just the procreation stance like i've got enough base now that i can just get them all to have 10 kids now we can be at you know two hundred thousand instead of i think that was how it unfolded for instance atia the homeschool program mm-hmm. started with 102 families in the pilot program and then just really expanded from there. So, he, yeah, he did start with this idea with campus teams mm-hmm. about teenagers. And within, so from 1961 to 1990, it completely evolves. And now it's not just helping teens and parents make wise choices. It is, I have the answer for every single aspect of your life, including if you're constipated. He was real <laughs> big on that for some reason. That's interesting. Yeah. And how to live so that's really already, long lives. and. So that's already, what, 30 years. So at this point, he's got to be at least 50, right? Somewhere something like, like that. Something like that. Okay, so Russia, so New Zealand's down, Russians down, Russia's down. Then in 1993, IBLP infiltrates Australia. And then in 1995, the cult makes its way into Taiwan. And that was such a huge deal within the cult. I still remember hearing about how God was just blessing our work because now we were an international organization. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, in 2000, IBLP acquired a substantial property in Big Sandy, Texas. And I think that was actually donated by the owner of Hobby Lobby. He let, I think he was the one who purchased it and then let IBLP lease it. Interesting. Yeah. So at Big Sandy, at the Big Sandy location, the pseudo-military program for young men in the cult called Alert, which was also horrendously abusive and the stories that came out of it are just, heartbreaking they move from the north woods of michigan that we the cult has i think to this day a campus there i spent a lot of time doing child labor at but they they moved alert from the north woods of michigan to big sandy texas and eventually Nowadays, Big Sandy is the, that compound is the headquarters for IBLP. It moved there after 
Bill's sexual assault scandal broke. So and that was in 2014. I forget exactly when they moved, but it was 2014 to 2016. They relocated to try to like wipe the slate clean. <laughs> so before we move past that, because I have heard this one. So alert was basically from what I gathered before alert is like their security detail. Like it wasn't military or was it militaristic or well, was it just like, it, it functioned a lot like a national guard would in terms of it responded to catastrophes. And of course the audiovisual people were there with their cameras and microphones to capture footage of brave young cult men rushing in, in a flood after, you know, hurricanes and, okay. and I'm sure that those people did some good, mm-hmm. but the way those young men were treated, the physical abuse, the spiritual abuse, I am certain there was sexual abuse, the just the punishments the physical requirements i mean i'm a military veteran and what they put those men through were, was some bullshit yeah so we can we can circle back to that one i yeah. just want a little context there because i think we can probably do a whole other episode oh we could and they words. had something <laughs> called excel for the women that was basically you have to get married so you need to learn how to sew how to cook and oh you need to be really skinny so we will literally starve you mm-hmm if you are not the size we want you to be and we will put you in isolation and there was all forms of physical and spiritual abuse. I'm certain there was also sexual abuse at Excel as well. I never went to Excel. So you need to make sure these women are always pregnant, but not fed. Uh, yeah. Sounds logical. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. So, all right. So 14 years later, 2014, that's the next big thing. So Bill Gothard resigns from his position as IBLP president after 34 women come forward with allegations of sexual harassment and assault, including minor victims. So women who were minors at the time of the assault. Bill believes you become an adult at the age of 12 because... But this was like legally these were yes, children like at the 14 time. 14-year-olds. Okay. Was, that was a very common age for him to acquire young women guilt their parents into making them stop their pseudo schooling at home and move to the headquarters compound in the Chicago area of Illinois and work for him as a personal assistant or secretary. Like a 14 year old knows how to do that. So was he just waiting for them to hit puberty? Was that like really what his threshold was? Probably. Okay. So then in 2015, Bill launches his own website, BillGothard.com, and continues spreading his harmful ideology through that website. Which is still up Oh, it's still up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then in 2016, Bill and IBLP are sued by a group of Bill's victims. Oh, and I do have that here. And that is when the Colt headquarters moved from Oak Brook, Illinois, to Big Sandy, Texas. 2016? Yeah. To try to, like... Oh, we're just going to smooth this over and reset. We moved. It's gone. Yay. Jazz hands. And then in 2018, unfortunately, the lawsuit was dismissed due to exceeding the statute of limitations. So he was never held accountable. And in fact, if you go to BillGothard.com, he has testimonies from women, you know, saying Saying otherwise. Yeah. So, all right. So the Colts big thing in the basic seminar is... Bill thinks you can boil life down to seven basic principles, which are design, authority, responsibility, suffering, ownership, freedom, and success. And that's basically what all of my life was built on. Those Those seven seven. principles. And there was a song. Oh my gosh, we had to learn this song. I'm not, no. 
I don't want that song stuck <laughs> in my head. But they, they turned it into a children's song that we learned at children's seminar while the adults were in the adult seminar. We would go to children's seminar, and that was where we would learn songs written by the cult to teach us these principles. And if you were female, you got to learn Proverbs 31 set to music so that you would always know what to be as a female life form on this planet. I I was never one to memorize scripture. That, oh, like, what's Proverbs the 31 is how to be a virtuous woman. Okay. Okay. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. <laughs> and then it goes on. That's the first. I think that's the first verse of Proverbs 31. And then it goes on to just describe all of the things that a woman must do to be virtuous. So did he... So obviously you have in the Bible like Ten Commandments. Did he... These seven principles were... Was that, was that more important? Did they just kind of hold them at the same... I barely level. remember learning about the Ten Commandments growing okay. up. So it was just like straight I knew of cults. them, but like the seven basic principles. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it had to be basic too. Yeah, seven <laughs> basic principles. <laughs> so maybe we'll do some episodes on those. But yeah, design, authority, responsibility, suffering, ownership, freedom, and success. I mean, most of those sound reasonable. Yeah, until you know what they're. I'm sure there's a twist to each. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Which I don't have emotional energy to go into today. We'll do another episode on that because I'm curious how he twisted otherwise like reasonable concepts. Yeah, authority is particularly fun. I bet we'll have to do a whole episode on authority. So the the I mean he had teachings for every aspect of life. So dating, sex marriage, authority, your umbrella of authority, umbrella of protection, male superiority, obviously homeschooling, food, dress and appearance. We'll have to do a couple episodes on that. Oh my gosh. Eye traps, Kyle. I don't even know what that is. Exactly. I will. You poor thing. (laughs) How did you grow up not knowing this? I I don't know. I I have heard some of the the clothes stories and your your battles with (laughs) attire. So we'll definitely touch on that later. Yeah, that'll be fun. Money and debt and what was and was not permissible. Medical and uh, oh my gosh. How to live a long life. We'll have to do an episode on Zeta water. I don't know. What yeah, it you is. don't want to know what it is, but we'll do an episode on it anyways. <laughs> um, music, dancing, the concepts of fun and entertainment and rights and how we don't have any. We as in women or or. Well, it was supposed to be everyone, but women were really the people who, uh, for whom that was enforced. Okay. Yeah. So he put it out there as a generic. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like, if you weren't Bill, you didn't have as many rights. And if you were female and not Bill, you really didn't have any rights. So he, from a hierarchy standpoint, he would put out all these rules and then... Not follow them personally. It wouldn't follow them personally. Uh And then men got some leniency on mm-hmm. some of those things and then women just didn't get any on Correct. and they had to fall all of them okay and everything was their fault right naturally naturally 
And then, oh my gosh, there was this huge, huge push on um, character qualities. There are 49 of them, (laughs) according to Bill. Did you have to memorize all those? Oh gosh, yes. And and you have to uphold all 49 of them in order to be Christ-like. So is this supposed to be something you can like attain or this is like a lifelong ambition to... No, this is attainable. Okay. And you're eight. Why aren't you doing it? (laughs) Of course. So so these character qualities, um, they're taught in a three volume set. Mm. Yes. For the low, low price of $49.99. No, uh, more than most people spend on groceries in a week. Oh, like hundreds of dollars yeah. for a book? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a three-volume set. Oh, so you get three books. Yes. So they were um, they were basically nature stories with Bible stories to reinforce them. So Bill decided each character quality, each 49 character qualities has a corresponding animal that demonstrates the quality. So most of the stories were about how baby animals died if they didn't obey their parents. So we need to obey our parents so we would not also die. So these are, he tied them to some sort of characteristic that a specific animal has or flaw and then would say like, Yes. This Here's is how an they example from nature. Yes. And, died. Okay. and then every quality had a definition you had to memorize, and then it also had an opposing evil quality to to learn about and avoid. So like obedience was disobedience. Mm. To make that simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we had to memorize all of the character qualities and all of their definitions and their antithesis behavior. I spent most of my childhood memorizing It sounds like it. This is suddenly making so much sense in terms of how I can memorize stuff so well as an adult. I don't know if I ever put that together. It makes a lot of sense to me why you think I can memorize that much stuff. I'm like, I don't <laughs> is know this normal? No. Okay. All right, I, met, I, I studied for a test and then as soon as the test was over and I turned it in, it was gone. Like, mm. I forget. Next chapter. Yeah. So, okay, so a fun fact, I was poking around on the IBLP website. Normal things to do on a Saturday night. Well, I was researching. (laughs) I didn't memorize anything, though, so this is growth. Um, So you can see the misogyny of the cult even in how they market their products. So, for instance, this three-volume character sketches set specifically says... This series is for fathers to teach their children character. Can't mess up that chain of command, and a mother will obviously not be able to teach her child character development. So, but weren't the? But yes, but the women were supposed to educate the teacher, them, the teachers, at okay. home, regardless of their qualification level so, as a teacher. So, is this supposed to be like a a, a man understands this and buys yes. it for his? wife to well he has teach. to teach well no he the the, the male the mm-hmm. father in the hierarchy so it's like god bill mm-hmm. then the father then the mother okay. then the child that's new yep entered yourself right in there yeah so that's all under authority kyle we obviously need to educate you <laughs> on how this yes. works okay yeah so, so he, even in their marketing it's right fathers so just making sure i understand so like they marketed towards 
the men, mm-hmm. but the men were or were not supposed to be the one like actually teaching. Well, it. the father is the spiritual head of the home, but like functionally, like who was actually was was the father actually buying this book and then like reading it and then like that's teaching what they these? were supposed to do. Okay, but they weren't. So we, well, we had something called wisdom searches very early in the morning when we all wanted to be asleep before school before like so rick would get up super early and he had his whole routine where he would like iron his shirt because he wore suits every day for work so he would iron his his shirt and get his tie all ready and stuff and have his coffee and shave and then We'd all have to get up. And he'd come into the room like, all happy, sing-songy, it's time to do wisdom search as a family. And we'd all have to go sit around the dining room table at, like, I don't know how early, 5 or 6 a.m. And then we'd have to read this kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. he would lead it. And then he would go to work. And then Chris would... 30-minute thing... Probably more like an hour. Okay. (laughs) At least that's what it felt like. I mean, it felt like three... Oh, it was miserable. And then he would go to work and Chris would, air quotes, homeschool us. And then he'd come back and we'd ha- at the end of the day and then we'd have family dinner. And then there might have been some playtime, but we had to end with like family. What did we call it? I don't know if we call it family devotions or family prayer time or family worship time. But that was another. Oh, we, we should do a whole episode on that. There's... There's, I, I was just thinking of a question I was going to ask you. And I was like, no, that can, that can <laughs> be a whole other for the episode. episode. There, um, that was when we were spiritually abused and manipulated into doing some really crazy stuff. I just can't believe that. And I'm curious if it actually worked that way. But like, how did you, how did he get a six-year-old up out of bed at five o'clock in the morning and be like, you need to sit here and... Do these wisdom searches for an hour? Like, did, well, did that actually the, happen? Yeah, the cult had very strong stances on punishments and okay. physical beatings yeah. and spare the rod. So it was it was by child. no means voluntarily. No, done. it was. Do you want to have your ass beat or do you want to sit down and do a wisdom search? Okay, well, yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah, with the special whipping implements, the cult sold. Oh, do an episode on that. (laughs) Another good way to make money. Yeah, as it turns out. So I refused to attend the basic summit. I was I was such a good kid, but I was also, I guess, a rebel. So you're talking about the one like the big the big one that's like once a year in Knoxville. No, no. This was the one that's like the foundational entry into the cult. You have to attend the basic seminar where they teach the seven basic. Okay. principles and it's like the intro to all of bill gothard's ideology the basic seminar and then you have the advanced seminar so your parents your went, biological yes. parents went through that but then as and a the kid, advanced seminar so as a kid you went to children's seminar mm-hmm. and learned songs to teach you the seven basic principles and learned about satanic influence and how satan was trying to build strongholds in your heart and all that kind of stuff <laughs> okay so so we did that And I think at the age of 12, you were allowed to start attending the adult thing, like the adult basic seminar and advanced seminar. And that's because Bill believes the concept of adolescence is a myth because it was developed by an evolutionist. Okay. And 
Bill says that it allows teenagers to do away with personal responsibility, which you can't have. That goes against one of his seven basic principles. So he says that this myth of adolescence violates the clear teachings of scripture and the history of successful nations. Oh. Mm-hmm. Where children become adults at the age of 12. So he's just like referencing old you know, mm-hmm. Roman culture or something where, you know, mm-hmm. you die at 20, so you're an adult at <laughs> eight. And... So I just flat out refused. I mean, I knew. So how, so it sounds like there was probably a specific age in which you were supposed to go to this. 12, yes. And how long did you fight that off? Like, when did you end up having to go to it? Oh, I never went. Oh, you got out of it. I never went. So I wanted nothing to do with the basic seminar. And I knew Bill Gothard was total bullshit before the age of 12. Mm -hmm. Like, I had known this for a long time. So I wanted nothing to do with the basic summer seminar. I had wanted nothing to do with the advanced seminar. I didn't want it to mess with my brain more than it already had. So I I was exposed to all of the information presented in the basic seminar at, at different times and in different places throughout my childhood, my mythical adolescence. Um, but I never actually attended a basic seminar because I knew if I had it all at once, it it was a lot more comfortable to conform because then well, your parents weren't mad at you and your siblings weren't mad at you and you yeah. weren't the rebel. And That was going to be my question is like, how much pressure did you get to go to that? So much. So much. When are we going to, when are we going to tell the listeners my story and how similar it is to the Duggars? Not this one, but that plays into it. It'll, it'll probably be after, like, do. this intro series. Probably the but. next, yeah. Because there, because of all of that, my parents really wanted me to attend the basic seminar because they thought it was the only way I would ever, like, mm-hmm. be saved. Yeah. Sure, they... Or I'm guessing it was, like, a very... He, it sounds like he had a very linear path. Like, mm-hmm. at this age, you go to mm-hmm. this thing and you read mm-hmm. these books. And at yes. this age, and, like, by the time yes. you hit... 18 or something mm-hmm. you are like, ready for your internship and to serve the lord with your ministry smile uh we'll have to talk about that too <laughs> <laughs> and your bright eyes okay I've ministry heard the, smile and bright uh, eyes i've heard the ministry shri- smile but we'll get to that one yeah, later yeah it's no it's no good unless you have the bright eyes to go with okay. it. and the crown of glory if you're a female yes yeah it's and no it. beard if you're a man no so The other very interesting thing about the cult is that everything is boiled down to an exact number by Bill. So there are seven life principles. There are seven basic needs of a husband. And wouldn't you know, there are then seven basic needs of a wife. I'm surprised they even got basic needs. I know. Well, they're real bad. Okay. We'll get to that one later. It's so bad. (laughs) It's so, so bad. Um, I thought it would be like seven basic needs a wife needs to fulfill for her husband. It's more like that. Okay. And there are exactly five life roles. So first you are an individual. Then you are a provider. Then you are a partner, a parent, and finally a proclaimer. Interesting. Yeah. So um, 
just, you know, make sure you're doing those five things in that specific order. No so, other order. So, was there any mathematical reasons for some of this? So you get 49 of this and 7 and 7 and 5 and... Well, I don't know if the 7 thing is because 7 is God's number because 7 days mm-hmm. to make the world or 6 days and then he rested. Mm-hmm. Uh... But no known like correlation with the like you know how no, he chose just, the numbers. Just, okay, and then when he had one, of course, everything else had to match it. So I imagine there was a lot of fabrication just to get. <laughs> that to was the kind right of where number. I was going. I was yeah. like, well, there sounded like there's a lot of sevens. And yeah, he really struggled with five. Like, missed well, and my OCD is more. like, why are there fifty <laughs> character qualities? Why forty nine? <laughs> but yeah, seven. So another thing um, was just the financial hardship of being part of this cult and living with all of the rules. It sounded like he had a lot of, obviously had a lot of ideas and then the indoctrination that went along with that. And then he also created a lot of financial burdens to go with all of those requirements. Mm Mm-hmm. So I found something very, very interesting. So... The compound in the Chicago area, the -hmm. one that I grew up, I never lived on, but grew up in close proximity to. My older siblings worked and lived there. I volunteered. There was an enormous amount of child labor in the cult, unpaid Mm -hmm. child labor. And you grew up in the Chicago area. So I grew up less than an hour from the compound. So I was there all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was 223 acres. Wow. Yeah, and during the time my family was actively involved with the compound, it had several hundred staffers. It's like up to 300 like people. full-time? Mm-hmm. Were they living there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There were there was housing on the 223 acres. Office buildings, warehouse, printing press, and apartment-style homes and single-family-style homes and duplexes. Okay. Yeah. So... Recoveringgrace.org is a really fantastic resource that I will probably reference a lot in this podcast because they have access to primary source documents. Um, they have interviewed witnesses who were actually present at crucial meetings. They they have, through these individuals, gotten their hands on primary source, like meeting minute style stuff so they have a lot of fantastic data and one of their goals is to basically proclaim to everyone who ever believed in Bill Gothard that it's a cult and his ideology is incorrect and if you believe in the Bible and want to follow it it's it's not even biblical teaching. So is this I assume some sort of nonprofit. Yeah. Is it specifically anti Bill Gothard or is it they just like anti cult? They might do more okay. stuff, but they, they have done a fantastic deep dive into IBLP, into Bill Gothard. They've spoken with him. Hmm. So they, and like I said, they, they've really done their research in so terms of. They're just of like trying to source. debunk yeah. the cult yeah. ideology. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they have this really interesting statement regarding life as a staffer on the compound. I'm going to read this. In the process of inviting them to come work for his ministry, Bill was known to require prospective staffers to sell their homes and even their insurance policies before moving to his Oakbrook, Illinois headquarters. He exhorted them to place their trust in God and in the ministry to provide. 
Bill made a point of saying that he paid his staff according to the need rather than on a set scale, although it is unclear whether there were written criteria that Bill followed in determining staff salaries. In 1980, most staff members were paid around $14,000 a year, approximately $44,000 in 2012 dollars, with married staff being paid more on average than single staff. In comparison, Bill's brother and father were both being paid around $30,000 annually, so more than double everyone else, approximately $88,000 in 2012 dollars. And I, so that's the end of the quote, but I personally experienced poverty growing up in the cult, but also witnessed the abject poverty of the staffers. So most of the cult families were poor, even if they weren't on the compound, because they were single income homes because mothers were not allowed to work outside the home and were barely allowed to work inside the home. That was very much discouraged. They were just supposed to be keepers at home, make dinner, make Mm. babies, raise the babies homeschool the children right so you had single income trying to feed Mm -hmm. 10 kids right oh and women definitely couldn't make more money than their husband that's one of the seven basic things about being a wife so combine that with cult pressure like you said to have a million kids to populate the world for christ and people really struggled to feed and clothe their mm-hmm. many children. So of course. like groups of us would go thrift shopping together in really bad parts of town, which is why we were in groups. Like we'd go to really, really unsafe parts of the Chicago area where we could find the cheapest thrift stores to buy clothes. And in addition to the struggle to clothe, like it was just so hard to feed. I grew up hungry. Like I just remember being hungry all the time because there was never enough food for all 10 of us. Like two chicken breasts would feed 10 of us for dinner. Wow. Yeah. That was a very common thing. It's like normal amount for just two adults, Adults. let Mm -hmm. alone eight And we would mix in like noodles or canned vegetables or something, but like that was the protein. I don't think any of us ever had appropriate macronutrients growing up. And did they, did they still portion more for the boys? Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like if there was enough for seconds, boys would be prioritized over girls. And were they just like straight up tell you that like, no, Amanda, you can't go get more food until so-and-so. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I was older than three of them. So your, you know, three-year-old brother got to get seconds before. (laughs) It was, it was rough. And I, I remember going to other cult families' houses and witnessing the same food shortages. So it wasn't just my family. Mm -hmm. Everyone who was employed by the cult was paid, you know, nothing. Like $44,000 in 2012 to feed... 10 to 20 people so those those that's your basic introduction to ivlp what did you leave behind from this almost all of it (laughs) um i think the one thing that i have somewhat retained from Everything we just talked through, like all of the core tenets of IBLP and the seven basic principles and all of the stuff. I think the only thing that I didn't let go of as an adult was the concept that character is important and that 
integrity is important. And I, I don't think of it as character anymore. I will sometimes use that word hesitantly. <laughs> it's a totally fine word. It just has a lot of nasty connotations for me and a lot of abusive and manipulative connotations. So these days I would call it more values, living in alignment with your values. I think that idea that it's important to have character or values and be in alignment with them, that idea is probably only the only thing I didn't leave behind. And I don't even know what the 49 character qualities are anymore. I try really hard every day of my life to forget everything that I was taught. Because I'll say this. The reason cults are so freaking effective is because they're so close to the truth. But they're not the truth. Mm -hmm. But they get real close to that line pretty often. Yeah. And so the struggle after leaving a cult is parsing out what was real, what's true, and what was close to the truth, but not quite. So of everything Bill taught in his basic seminar that although I did not attend, I have a lot of knowledge around, I, I've discarded, gosh, almost all of it. I mean, that makes sense considering it's all very twisted. Evil, misogynistic, yeah, patriarchal, twisted, controlling, twisted versions of, abusive. of good ideas mm-hmm. and, you know, very unhealthy uh, takes on those values or mm-hmm. characteristics. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But I still think it's important to know what you believe and live out what you say you believe. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Cult I Left Behind. Until next time, don't join a cult. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe, and we will catch you on the next episode.